This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each week, you'll hear a portion of a work in progress and have a chance to interact with the author and other readers on the author's blog, posing questions, answering questions from the author, and hopefully having a lot of fun. Are you ready? Let's begin. Episode 9 In the previous episode, Blaz the border crossing guard was able to give Ash a glimpse into her past, but not much help in figuring out who her parents were. She knows now she does have magic, and has been warned to stay away from the coastal town of Tippesy. Going there might help enemies find her. Blaz helped her plot her travels to fulfill the conditions of the quest as quickly as possible, and sent her on her way. After she walked for perhaps an hour, with only the light of the ring extending before her maybe the distance of ten steps, the cavern narrowed into a tunnel that took her upward. After another fifteen minutes or so, the ring doused his light. Ash nearly cried out in protest, but her eyes adjusted enough to let her see a patch of stars among the darkness. That was the mouth of the tunnel, not that far ahead of her. "'We are safely in Nordwell now,' the ring announced." That bit of good news put some life back into her legs, but she was wise enough not to put on speed and waste that extra energy. She still had some climbing to do until she was out and above ground. Fang didn't have any reservations on that score. He chirped happily and bounced ahead, leaving her far behind in mere moments. She counted the dull thumps of his hops and calculated the distance between them, then estimated how many more steps she had to take. Ash laughed at herself when she emerged into the open air, eighteen steps sooner than she had guessed. Fang must have taken longer leaps than she had estimated. The ring helped her study the stars and calculate where they had come above ground. He pointed out a bright star, just a little larger than the others, sitting on the tops of the trees directly in front of her, and told her to head straight toward it until dawn erased it from sight. And then they were truly on their way. Ash walked until the first grayish light of pre-dawn touched the horizon to her left. She breathed out a sigh of mixed weariness and relief. Navigating by the stars was another skill she hadn't spent enough time on. She had feared when dawn came up she would find the eastern horizon behind her, and she would be heading due west, toward the seashore and that possibly dangerous monument at Tippesy. Well, Fang, we're three hours into Nordwell. Should we find some place to rest for a little while? Maybe we should sleep during the day and travel at night? Ash turned, walking backward a few steps, and looked back the way they had come. There was nothing in the rolling landscape to indicate exactly where she had left Alfordia behind and where the north-south border between Camerlang and Nordwell lay. She hadn't felt anything unusual when she left the kingdom that had been her home for most of her life. Maybe that was because she had been essentially forced to leave. Right this moment, the serving boys she had grown up with would be waking washing, dressing, preparing to serve in the dining room, and hopefully grumbling over her absence and how it had come about. When would someone come to rouse her from her little room off the kitchen and discover she was gone? How long would her friends among the servants keep the news secret from Lord Winston and Lathia? Had Hazel managed to speak with Dunstan so he wouldn't come early in the morning to help her escape? She hoped Lord Diggory, Lady Beatrice, and especially Lady Charlotte would laugh when they realized she had fled in the night. Maybe someone would even accuse Lord Winston of cheating? In essence, this quest was a contest, 
not just to prove who was the more injured party, but to prove who was smarter and more talented, less spoiled and lazy. Fang bounded off the packed earth path they had been following. It was a straighter path than the road of packed gravel indicated on Blaz's map, maybe a quarter mile to the east of her, and maintained by the kingdom of Nordwell. The official road had been formed to guide travelers to the various inns and marketplaces that had the crown's approval and support. It meandered and sometimes made wide, weaving curves. The dirt path used by the common people was as straight as possible, to make their travels direct and swift, since most of them traveled on foot. Hiding among the common people suited Ash perfectly. Taking winding roads might be all right for nobles who wanted to be seen, and who had the money to pay the tolls and the higher prices charged by the inns along the way. Ash planned to sleep in the shelter of bushes along the path. That was how travelers found shelter and safe hidden beds, according to the books she had read. The real world might be different from how the stories portrayed it. That had been a bit of advice, phrased in several different ways, from Pegleg Rufus and Seneschal Gilbert and Myrtle. Fang bounced across a field that seemed to be mostly weeds. At least, Ash could see nothing growing there that looked like a food plant or perhaps flax or cotton. It certainly wasn't a vineyard. She eyed the ditch running between the road and the field, a sure sign that this land belonged to someone who wanted to keep it free of flooding and turning into one massive river of mud. She took a few steps backward, then hurtled herself forward, stretching her legs to leap the gap. "'Ring, do you recognize these plants?' she asked, as she headed across the field, following the diminishing white dot of fang. She had a better look at the plants now that she was walking through them. They seemed to be a tangle of intersecting stems, with dark green palm-shaped leaves edged in black, and tiny heart-shaped deep crimson flowers. They exuded a somewhat coppery odor, mixed with something spicy sweet when she stepped on them, and Ash couldn't avoid stepping on them. There was no place to step that wasn't covered with the long pale green stems. Or were they vines? Tendrils? I believe it is called bloodweed, the ring finally answered. Never heard of it. Well, considering how limited the library was at Fairhold, according to Blaz, what is it for? Do they eat the roots? The stems? I don't see any kind of grain or fruit, just the leaves and flowers. Or is it an herbal? Medicine? I don't know. Sorry. If you think the Fairhold Library was limited, you should see the paucity of reading material at Camwell's estate. If it wasn't for the fact that he travels, and we rings get a chance to converse with other magical objects, and try to scavenge information from the libraries of the estates and castles where he stays, well... We're pretty much limited to whatever official paperwork comes through his hands otherwise. Aha, and that's where I saw Bloodweed mentioned and described. The ring paused. Ash looked ahead, afraid for a moment when she didn't see Fang. No, there he was, hopping madly out of a small hillock. No, that wasn't a hillock. Her perception adjusted as she hurried forward, decreasing the distance. No, that was a small house, covered in what she assumed was Bloodweed. Behind it lay several more hillocks, much larger, and she assumed those were other houses or maybe barns and outbuildings for a farm, also covered with bloodweed. Sorry, the only references to bloodweed I could find in Camwell's correspondence is a request for advice on dealing with it. It seems to be trying to creep over the borders of Alfordia from Alvol. I guess Nordwell has an infestation of the stuff, too, but it hasn't come near the border yet. So Alfordia's officials aren't aware of it. So it's just a weed? 
and rather pernicious. There were comments about burning not doing much good, that the smoke just seemed to make the side effects of the weed itself twenty times worse. There were references to several academic studies on preparations for dealing with the side effects before the burning took place, and what strikes me as odd, advice to read the collected works of the Helsingvan family before doing anything else. Camwell had quite a long critical response when he read that addendum to the communication. Helsingvan? What country are they from? Ash kept her gaze fixed on the gaping doorway of what she assumed was the barn. Fang had gone in there, his bounds much shorter and slower, and she felt rather chilled as she waited and silently counted her heartbeats until he came back out. I'm not really sure, the ring said. Camwell has little respect for them and is rather upset every time he sees some collected volumes of their work for sale in multiple languages. They are somewhat migratory, going from country to country, gathering up legends, and then conducting what they call scientific research to determine if the stories of various monstrous creatures and places and darkly magical objects are truth or wish tales. There's that odious word again, science and scientific, she muttered. Monstrous creatures, you say? As in twisted, warped things created by spells gone wrong, and evil enchanters and sorcerers and mages and such? And apprentices who don't pay attention to what they're doing or decide they know everything and start experimenting before they learn half of what they should. Somehow, I don't think it's wise to mock people who investigate such things, since monsters and broken magic are very real and dangerous. Hmm, yes, the ring agreed. So, bloodweed can be assumed to be one of those warped creations of broken magic gone wrong and dark? That would be the logical assumption. I recommend you find Fang and retrace your steps, and find some other place to sleep away the daylight, or even take a chance and travel by day, and find some nice, solid, charm-protected inn to spend the night. That sounds lovely. She shuddered and stopped, maybe ten steps away from the opening of what definitely looked like a barn now. Fang, where are you? We need to get... Fang darted out of the barn, taking a wild leap that brought him nearly to Ash. He bounced up and down, gesticulating wildly with his ears, his eyes wide and threatening to bulge from their sockets. His forepaws swiped down across his face, following the line of his massive front teeth repeatedly. What's in there? I don't know, the ring said. It's hard to look inside his mind. There are so many tangled images. I'm seeing bloodweed and... Oh dear, how distressing. Dried up, dead, looking rather frightened. Is there anything alive in there? No, and I think that's the problem. How can anything dead be a... It's not the plague, is it? She said. I don't think so. The ring didn't sound nearly as certain as she would have wished. I'm going in. Ash put down her pack, took a couple deep breaths, and squared her shoulders. She drew her belt knife, just in case. Just in case of what, she wasn't sure, because the ring had said nothing was alive in there. Fang had stopped bouncing in front of her and had darted away, back the way they both had come. Ash started forward, walking on her toes, just in case noise roused something that shouldn't have been able to rouse because it wasn't alive. Right now, she had the awful feeling that despite all the reading she had done, she didn't know even a fraction of all the things she needed to know to survive and win this quest contest. Fang screamed. A bunny's scream was ten times louder and harsher and shriller than the shriek of a rabbit or hare caught in a trap, 
or doing battle over females or grazing space. Ash nearly dropped her knife. She turned sharply to glare at him, refusing to shout and scold him because, after all, she wanted to be quiet. He came bounding at her and she darted to the right, then ducked, then back to the left, avoiding what was clearly an effort to hit her. Ash spun around on one heel and ran into the blood-weed-draped doorway of the barn. Thin shafts of light cut through the darkness, but that just made it harder to see where she was going and what lay before her. She caught her foot on something that shifted slightly, so she stumbled more than tripped over it. Ash tried to leap over the obstruction, and her other foot came down on something else that gave way, with a crackling sound. She twisted, trying to get off whatever it was, turning to face the doorway just in time for Fang to slam into her chest. They stumbled backward, tripping again over the crackling, snapping things. Ash landed with an oof of breath knocked out of her, in moldy hay. At least she hoped it was hay and not something noxious. Bad enough dust surrounded her, filling her mouth and eyes. She coughed and spat and shoved Fang away. His claws dug into her shirt, tearing it slightly. He held on, thumping her with his hind feet in his ears. Ring, some light, please, and can you calm him down? I really think you need to get out of here, the ring responded. He didn't glow as she had hoped. The ring's voice in her mind had a quiet sadness that chilled her, more than the fear she had tripped over something dangerous and cranky, and it was awakening. Not just awakening, but waking up hungry. Right. She pushed hard on Fang with one hand and caught hold of the scruff of his neck with the other and somehow yanked him free. Ash struggled to her feet, holding the struggling bunny out at arm's length. Easier to do that than fling him away, as she dearly longed to do. Picking up her feet carefully, putting them down slowly, she kept her gaze focused on the light on the other side of the doorway. It seemed hours of walking away. Fang calmed down a little with every step, so by the time she stepped into the spill of light, even though she wasn't out of the barn yet, he hung from her hand, making little bleeding sounds and tapping her arm with his ears in what she took as a conciliatory fashion. All right, she said, when she was entirely out of the barn. She put down Fang, fighting the urge to fling him to the ground and hope he bounced a few times. She paused to brush more of that dust off her arms, her jacket, her pants, and raked her fingers through her hair. Dust with a faded golden sheen flew everywhere, which was a relief. It was simple hay dust, nothing more. What was that? Fang found dead bodies, the farmer and his wife and two grown sons. Are you sure? Bunnies have incredible night vision, the ring said. He says they were all dried up, like old leather, but there was enough left of their clothes to tell what they were. Does Bloodweed do that? I have no idea, the ring said. I'm very sorry. She bit back a retort that he had been saying that quite often lately. It wasn't the ring's fault that he didn't have the information she needed. As he had said, or otherwise inferred, the only way he could gather information was to be exposed to books and documents and listen to people talking. Once she got back to the beaten dirt path, Ash took the time to make sketches of the bloodweed plant, its different parts, using one of the bound blank books Blaz had given her. He had encouraged her to record what she saw and did and thought and learned on this journey. Once it was written down, she didn't have to keep thinking about it to keep it in her memory, and that way she could keep much of her adventure private, safe from Justiciar Camwell's snooping. The ring had agreed to warn her whenever the Justiciar activated the magic to spy on her, so she could try to focus on mundane, boring things. All right, 
Now, should we still try to find a place to sleep the rest of the day away? You think all that excitement would have me wide awake, but I'm more tired than ever. Ash looked back down the way they had come, toward the border of Nordwell and Alfordia. Then she turned and looked the other direction, to the unknown things lying ahead. At the very least, she could walk until she got to fields not overrun with bloodweed, and then take her chances. The ring agreed with her. Fang woke up from his nap with a snort and a yawn as soon as she nudged him, and they headed off down the path again. The path joined up with a road after another hour of walking. Ash assumed it could be called a road, since the surface was more pebbles than simple, hard-packed dirt. She felt rather discouraged that the bloodweed still crept up to the edge of the ditch. When she commented on it, the ring pointed out that the pernicious plant wasn't as thick or as healthy-looking as when they first encountered it, so that had to be a good sign. Perhaps the people of Nordwell hadn't sent to other countries asking for help in dealing with the weed because they had found a cure, or at least something that was attacking the plant. Ash thought that was rather selfish, especially since the cure, if there was a cure, had come a little late for that family lying in the barn, all dried up. Had the bloodweed done that? The ring didn't think so when she asked, but he admitted that his knowledge was indeed rather limited. Perhaps, if they encountered people soon, they could ask what exactly Bloodweed did. Don't you find it odd, maybe frightening, that we haven't encountered any people yet, she asked, after another twenty minutes of walking. The Bloodweed was indeed dying away, and other weeds were visible, darker shades of green and stalks of brown and thistles of all kinds. This part of the country is useless for farming, with Bloodweed dominating, the ring responded after a few moments of thought. Why would anyone come this way? True. The road intersected another, which was again just plain packed dirt. Ash turned down the new road since she could clearly see there were no signs of bloodweed in the plants along the ditch. The ground looked like it had been tilled a short while ago, with neat ridges topped by fresh leaves and stems. She couldn't be sure what sort of plants were growing in those orderly hills, but she found evidence of people working this land encouraging. When a small shelter in the middle of the field came into view, she picked her way down the neat rows and crept inside to sleep before she staggered entirely off her feet and went face first into the ditch. Fang sighed loudly and curled up next to her. She used her pack as a pillow and was asleep before she thought to ask the ring to wake her in three hours. Until she could be sure this portion of Nordwell was safe, she would avoid walking at night. What were the chances, after all, that Lathia and her servants would come this specific direction and see her? Sunset woke her, spearing through the low door of the shelter. Ash closed her eyes against the pain. Then her stomach punished her into full wakefulness. She dug in her sack for some dried apples Myrtle had given her and the crispy, salty wafers of travel bread. Now she needed something to drink, but at least her stomach didn't hurt. The spicy, filling stew provided by the bag of accommodation seemed weeks ago, not just a day. Fang? Ring? Where's Fang? Her voice was a little sharp, mostly from a sense of guilt that she hadn't noticed the bunny's absence while she was waking and then eating, then a little more guilt over her relief that she hadn't had to share her skimpy provisions with him. Fang had already proven to be something of a glutton. Out finding something to eat. He was quite upset that you had nothing he liked in your pack, the ring responded. He sounded amused. I need to get back on the road, find people. I don't need to be caught by the farmer and accused of stealing from him. She raked her fingers through her hair, rubbed her eyes one last time, 
and crept out of the little shelter, dragging the pack and her cloak and satchel behind her. Can he find us, do you think? The question is if we're able to lose him at all. Definitely the ring sounded amused. Ash took that as a good sign. She picked her way down the rows, looking left and right for signs of people. Had the farmer and his family or hired hands finished up their work for the day and already gone home? Where had they been when she crawled into the shelter hours ago? She continued down the road, watching for signs of a pathway and, more important, signs of the farmer's home. She hoped no one would mind if she asked for water. She had a small water sack Blaz had given her that he told her would hold everything she wanted to put in it, but not get any heavier and not expand. He hadn't been able to fill it for her inside the cavern, though, because of rules of clashing magic. The jug where he obtained all his water for drinking and washing and cooking was also magic. Apparently, it was against the rules of magic to take from one magical container to fill another. Ash wondered just how long someone had to study to understand all the picky, fiddly rules of magic that seemed to be lacking common sense at times. Certainly, the world didn't seem large enough to hold all the books that were needed to hold all the rules. No wonder most successful magic users, no matter what their rank, seem to be old, or at least have many wrinkles and streaks of gray or silver or white hair, probably from the strain of years of study. There he is, ahead of us, the ring announced, just as Ash spotted something in the distance that she hoped would turn out to be the farmhouse. The road was headed due south, with the sunset and lengthening shadows on their right. The hoped-for building was on the left, vanishing into the encroaching dusk a little more with every step Ash took. The dull white blur of fang bounding down the road glowed faintly. Ash wondered if that was just the effect of the day fading into twilight, or perhaps a touch of the magic inherent in bunnies. That was something she would have to deal with soon, learning all the little details that made bunnies magical creatures. She supposed that would take up several hours of talking with and learning from the ring. Oh, Dear, has he gotten himself into trouble, the ring said. Ash started to ask what he meant when she saw it. A blur sat on the horizon directly behind Fang, where the road met the sky, indicating that spot was the top of a gentle rise in the landscape. That blur was moving, following Fang, and if she wasn't mistaken, catching up with him. That blur resolved into a group of horsemen, generating quite a bit of dust as they rode. He's moving rather fast, isn't he, she said, and stepped to the side of the road. Ash had a sudden vision of Fang running into her, with enough force to knock her over even harder and more painfully than he had in the barn, and those horsemen would run them both over, blinded by dust and whatever had them tearing down the road so quickly. Bunnies can move faster than horses when they need to, the ring said. What did that idiot do to have those soldiers chasing him? Soldiers? Ash looked at the distant house that had vanished into the twilight altogether. There was no way she could leap the ditch and race there and beg shelter before the horseman reached the spot where she had unthinkingly come to a stop. Fang, what did you do? Then Fang reached her and bounded past her at an angle, leaping over the ditch. Ash raised her arms to shield herself as the soldiers shouted and the horses shrieked and skidded to a stop amid a deafening clamor of stomping and curses and jangling tack and what was frightening, the shrill sound of swords coming out of sheaths, all suddenly pointed at her. "'Where's the vampire?' the big, bald man with a black patch over his left eye demanded. "'The what?' Ash's legs threatened to fold, as weak as her voice suddenly. "'There it is, Captain!' another soldier shouted, and leaped from the saddle, 
over Ash's head, clipping the side of her head with his boot heel. And that's the end of episode nine. Just what do you think Fang did to have those soldiers chasing him and accusing him of being a vampire? What do you think it's going to take Ash and the ring working together to get out of this trouble? Check in on the blog. Let's chat about it. And if you don't have the address, it's Michelle Levine, L-E-V-I-G-N-E dot blogspot dot com. And we'll meet back again next week for episode 10.